Today, we are covering a hot topic, outsourcing tasks for maximum scalability. We get asked all the time how to know when to hire, how you can trust someone with aspects of your business, and what tasks you should trust someone with. But here's the thing. It's going to look different for everyone, and we're going to unpack those options today. We've had Grace on the podcast before to talk about all the ways that advisors can use AI. So if you want to hear more from her, check out episode 30. But today we are focusing on her wheelhouse, which is outsourcing tasks to a VA. Hey, it's your travel industry best friends, Robin and Jen from Teeth. We're obsessed with practically anything that touches your business and allows you to scale to the level of success that you've always dreamt of. With Robin's background in sales and marketing and Jennifer's experience as a management level HR professional, We grew a small itinerary creation company into a multi-million dollar travel agency, and now we aim to help others skip the hard stuff and get right to the big wins. We're probably each recording this holding a glass of wine, so pour one up with us, grab a seat, and join us to talk all things travel and business. Welcome, Grace. We are so excited to have you back on the podcast. For anyone who isn't familiar with your background, can you please refresh them on your history with VA services and your knowledge on this topic? Yeah, of course. Thank you guys so much for having me back. And this is one of my favorite topics ever. I ran a virtual assistant company called TripKit over the last three years, basically helping travel advisors build out the ability to work with virtual assistants and then outsource that work to us. But prior to that, I actually was also a travel advisor for many years, mostly in the luxury travel space. I was part of the Virtuoso Network. And now I have a company called Lucia, which is basically a freelancer marketplace connecting travel advisors with freelancers. So love this topic because this is near and dear to my heart. Awesome. Okay. So what we want to dive into first is the topic of how advisors know that they're actually in need of outsourcing. And this could range really from anything that you see. Are they experiencing errors because they're too busy? Do they just not want to do tasks? So what are the common reasons that you see advisors getting to the threshold of realizing they may need some extra help? Yeah, I think one of the quickest ways that you can tell if you actually need help, and that's a key differentiator we can jump into later, is a lot of times you don't have the ability to kind of scale. You feel like you're making mistakes. Things are falling through the cracks. You're unable to take on new clients. That's typically the first sign that you really need an assistant to come in and help you grow your business. Now, of course, there are plenty of advisors who don't plan on growing and don't want to grow that I still think have very valid reasons for having an assistant. But that's usually the go-to reason where someone might really be interested in finding someone to work with. You actually just hit on something that Robin and I love to discuss, which is people that don't necessarily want to grow. But they immediately start to think, I need an IC because I'm feeling overwhelmed with the leads that are coming in. Or they start to think, I need a VA because maybe they don't like doing certain things of their business. So can you share your thoughts? And it doesn't even have to be answering a question necessarily, but can you just share your thoughts on kind of like both avenues of thought? Yeah, I think for so many reasons. The job path of being a travel advisor is an amazing one for so many people because you do have the ability to make a great living and have a great network and build a great clientele, but you don't have to build a scalable business. It is completely exciting to have a business, but also not want to grow it past yourself. And I think that's very valid. And I don't think anyone should feel like that's not a great way to grow a business because that's honestly probably what I would have done if I was doing uh, travel advising still. 
I would say for any advisor who maybe doesn't want to build out a team, but is feeling really overwhelmed, it feels like they need to have a virtual assistant. There's usually two questions or like two avenues that I pose them. And one is like, is it actually just like, there's some work that you don't want to do? Is there a type of task or project that's overwhelming you? And maybe it's not in your skill set, or maybe just don't need an assistant and you need to like clean up your processes. There's two different ways of looking at it. And it really kind of depends on your business. I love that you just brought that up because I think a lot of times we don't think about tasks as like a ROI suck. Like my time is valued as like the CEO of this company or, you know, the main travel advisor of my company. So when I'm doing tasks that like either I'm not good at or I hate doing, it's costing me money somewhere else because that energy I'm putting towards building a trip out in Travify or whatever it looks like, whatever those tasks are, it's taking away from me being on a sales call. And I don't think a lot of times people think about their time as having like this value dollar effect to it. And it's something we've discussed in our previous like programs and courses. It's taking the time to like track out those tasks and really figure out like, where am I spending my time? And if I'm spending so much time here, do I like it? Am I good at it? Or is that something where I need to invest in an assistant? And again, I think an assistant is such a great way to like not grow your team necessarily. They're an assistant. Like they're not like somebody that you necessarily have to have as an employee and keep on forever and like all of that. It's such an awesome way to get help. Because we all need help. A small business owner, it's like you're literally juggling 12 balls. And then the second you got them all in the air, it's like one catches on fire. And like, I just don't know how anyone could not have help. What do dinner reservations, spa bookings, and sourcing one-off hotels outside your scope all have in common? You don't ever have to do them again. No, seriously, that's what Lucia is for. Lucia is a freelancer marketplace where you can outsource items on your to-do list on a task-per-task basis. All freelancers are sourced from within the travel industry. So if you're wondering, will they get it? They will. For a $57 discount on your annual membership, head on over to the show notes and join Lucia today. Yeah, I would say that's really important what you just said. The idea of having an assistant versus having another IC. And I see a lot of advisors confuse the two. Uh There's a very, very different thing having an assistant versus having a new IC join your business. One is there to help do the left brain side of your processes and business, keep you organized, systematize your business, keep you on track of tasks, and help catch the balls that you either aren't good at or don't want to do or just can't deal with right now because you're busy doing other things. Having an IC is trying to build out your business, trying to bring in more revenue. They need to be able to take in sales and make their own business. Now you're not only managing your own in book of business, but theirs as well. So yeah, now you need an assistant for the two of you. Those are two incredibly different things. And I think that's something that we really need to highlight there. I say that all the time. We get voice texts a lot from like advisors like, hey, I'm about to hire my first IC. And my question is always like, why? Why? What is your big picture vision? And I'm not trying to be sassy, but usually there's not an intention behind it. It's I'm feeling overwhelmed and I need to give leads to someone. Okay, but also why? So don't you want that lead? Aren't there so many other things in your business that you don't like doing, but you love doing the sales clearly? And if you have your own personal brand that is reflective of you, now you're bringing someone in under that brand 
And now you have the liability of their mistakes on top of that. And you haven't outsourced any role. You've, like you said, you've actually just added to your administrative tasks by being like, okay, now I have to allocate out commissions in the right way. And I have to have a triple the work. You have tripled the work. I have to get a contract with a lawyer and track their percentage split based off of how much they've sold. Like it becomes so much more complicated. And then if you're hosted, you have to somehow remain competitive with that contract, which is just simply not going to happen. So it's just wild when people do say, I'm bringing on my first IC. First of all, they say I'm hiring my first IC, which is the incorrect terminology and a fast way to get yourself into hot water. But you're bringing on an IC and ask yourself why. Because if it aligns with your big picture vision, cool. Like if you want to have a big brand, that's great. But can you remain competitive? Can you be a mentor? Can you or do you still want to sell like all of these things start to come up or do you want to scale your business by actually offloading some of those tasks that to Robin's point, you don't want to do, aren't great at, et cetera, whatever the reason may be. Absolutely. And I think, you know, kind of identifying those different pain points in your business is the first step. You need to decide if you're too busy and you need an assistant, are you looking to grow your business and therefore you need to bring on more people to generate more revenue? Again, still, I think you can grow your business with an assistant first and you should get that in order and you could still scale that way just without bringing on more people to sell. That's its own bubble. Or are you just not inclined to do certain pieces of the job, which is totally valid? I don't like doing finances. I understand it. I went to school for it. I know how to do it. But geez, please don't make me spend all day in Excel figuring out our splits and all those things. I have no interest. So I instead will have Sarah, our COO, build out all of our financial models. And that works for us. We know what we're good at. And I think a lot of advisors need to understand if you're great at sales and you're good at researching and presenting itineraries, all of the seven other jobs that you have to do in your business, there are people that can do that and that are great at it. And that honestly are probably less expensive than you and your time. I think it's shocking because a lot of people will jump to yeah, the IC model and stuff or like full-fledged employees. And I'm like, that's a lot of- Which is scary. Really? Yeah. Like you have to maintain the rhythm of your income to be able to support yeah. them. Like we talk about it a lot. Like you are bringing on somebody's bills and their mortgage. Like you have a lot of- it's like a lot of pressure and it's fine if you're in a place to do that. But I think the assistant route is always the best route to go. So I want to ask you if I was an advisor and I was interested in working with you guys on like an assistant level, what's the typical investment? Is there like an average, obviously it depends on like the complexities. I'm pretty sure. Is there some like round numbers that we can give people to know? Like if I was looking to hire an assistant, it's roughly this. Yeah. So I would say that when it comes to deciding whether or not it's worth it financially for you to bring in an assistant, I mean, you need to look at the finances first. That's first and foremost. You then need to look at what you are spending your time doing and how much time you're spending doing it. A lot of people, I'm sure everyone's heard this before, figure out how you're spending your time. No, I mean, there's websites that you can literally time track your hours and how you're spending your day. Go on one of these free websites and for a few days, a week, two weeks, track what you're doing and how you're spending your time. I guarantee you, first of all, you'll figure out you're wasting a lot of time scrolling, opening and closing emails, not time blocking and wasting a lot of your time. You'll probably have that first realization, but after that, you'll realize what you're spending your time doing. 
then match that with the amount of sales you closed that week or how much commission that you've generated that week. You can do the math then on how much business you've done and what your time is worth. Again, that is related to the sales part of your job. All of the admin work then, that is missed revenue almost. So now that is not how you spent your time you know, selling. That is actually time you wasted not making more money. So what is the opportunity cost of all the hours you spent on admin work? Once you do that math, then you can figure out how it makes sense for you to potentially hire an assistant. And that doesn't mean, let's say you could have made an extra X amount that week. You need to go spend that X amount on an assistant. That is not how profit works, right? You need to then go find someone that costs far less than that and will generate you the still the same kind of work that you would have done. Now, far less, as you know, Robin would probably say, does not, and you know, Jennifer as well, would probably mean that does not mean $15 an hour. That might mean someone that's $30 an hour, $35 an hour can get it done for you swiftly, but it will actually be done right. And I think that's something that's really important that we've identified at Lucia. We started offering freelancers at $15 an hour, and a lot of our freelancers were like, I'm not working for that. I'm too good. Like I know what my worth is. And I know that, you know, all of these advisors I work with, their time is worth $50, $60 an hour. And I know they can afford me as a result. So that's why we've seen an actual change in how these freelancers are working on our platform. Won't work for everyone, but that's why we've seen the rates change on our end. That's good. I like that. It's like you're valuing yourself at 50, 60, but like you're valuing like an assistant at 15. That's a no-go. I get very passionate about people trying to underpay like in travel. It's the same exact thing. You get what you pay for. If you want to cut quarters, if you want a budget trip, there's a place for it, but you're going to be, it leaves less to be desired, I guess is what I'm trying to say. So that's a super interesting point. And it takes some, I guess, introspection on somebody's part to be like, what am I worth? And then what am I willing? Because you don't really need to be doing admin work. There's so many tasks that I really like doing that are busy work. Like we could technically outsource them, the needle moving stuff, the sales calls, the creating a really good marketing plan and batching my social media or something like that, like something that's going to actually find me more clients is going to be so much more valuable to me than it is to plug in some itineraries to double check client itineraries and all of those kind of things. So I think that- I would challenge a lot of advisors on that exact point. I was at a conference recently and they asked me on a panel, what's your biggest piece of advice to advisors? And I said, being busy does not mean you're being productive. Oh my gosh. And I would take that even a step further and to say, I have a lot of advisors that will say, but I'm so, I'm so detail oriented. I need to see everything done in the itineraries. I need to make sure that it's all done perfectly. I'd really challenge you to say that maybe you just really enjoy building itineraries yeah. and you like the busy work because you can review the work that an assistant's done right after they're done doing it. If you really need to do all of the itineraries that you're building, I challenge you to say you just like building them. It's a safe thing. It's less, I don't know. It just, it's not as intense as pumping out social media or like hopping on the sales call type of thing. So I, I agree. It, and I used to do that. Like I would keep myself safe as a travel. Oh, I still do it sometimes. All the time. Like all yeah. the time. Sarah and I will call each other out on it. So every week we have a goals meeting and then on Monday and then accountability meeting on Wednesday and a finance meeting on Friday. Our Monday meeting is let's set our, our top three goals for the week. We do have like a running list after that, that so that we don't lose our train of thought on things. But the top three things are the things we have to get done. By Wednesday, if we haven't made progress on those three major projects, we have a problem. And there are plenty of weeks where I'm like, but look at all the work that I had to get done this week. It held me back. And Sarah will be like, so? Like, 
those emails weren't going to go anywhere. Go find one of our, you know, amazing team members to answer or set up some of those meetings for you. Set up a Calendly link. Stop wasting time. It may feel good, but you're not moving the needle. And we call each other out on it. It's like busy versus productive. I always say this. I'm like, am I being busy or am I being productive? And a lot of the time I am just being busy. And it's because it does, there is some like serotonin bump to it, right? Like checking off something on the list is like, look what I just did. I must've done this massive amount of work. And at the end of the day, you don't emotionally feel lighter. And to me, that's a major indicator that I didn't have a productive day. I had a busy day and I've had to shift on that. Luckily, I mean, Robin is a very click up oriented person and she has everything loaded in there. And it just gives this very visual view of what's going on, our workload, et cetera. And it does help the team prioritize. I think that's something that if you are preparing to hire, you like you said, you need to know what is consuming your time, but also what are the priorities and like, can someone else be doing, I did love doing the Travify. I did love doing the itineraries. I loved picking the photos and I loved finding the description of the hotel room and inputting it, but I could do it at night with a movie on until that wasn't okay for my season of life where I was like, okay, I actually want more balance in my day. So I think that's a a factor too. And now this is like a, just a little bit of a rant, but that's a factor too, is like, do you need a VA in this season of life or are you hustling until you know enough about the business and you feel good about where your business is at? And then you start to either look at bringing on someone as a project-based assistant where you have a little bit more control over your investment, or are you bringing on a VA where you're contractually obligated to a certain amount of hours a week, or are you bringing on the weight and risk essentially of an employee to do all of those things, but you you can't just jump to, I feel overwhelmed. You have to define, am I busy versus productive? And really, like you said, add some introspection to it and some honesty, a nice little batch of honesty on if you're actually as busy as you think you are. Okay. So I know I want to ask this a little bit more. So you mentioned the $35 or, and I know that's a roundabout number, but are you seeing an average time turnaround for projects like inputting an itinerary into Travify or an average price point for something that's task oriented like that? Yeah, I'd say 35 is a pretty good average that we're seeing. Some itinerary building like admin building might be closer to like 30 or 28. But on average, VA in general, I'm seeing 35 is a pretty strong average. And that might be sticker shock to some people. I'm very well aware that that's not a low amount of money for like thinking, I don't make a a ton a year. I don't know if I should be like spending that. Again, that probably means you need to reevaluate, see if you need an assistant yet, et cetera. For those that are saying, you know, $35 an hour is way too much. Okay, well, that's the cost of paying someone with a ton of experience. And you hopefully should value your time at far more than that. So just consider then your calculations. But I would say the average amount of like turnaround time for an itinerary, honestly, we're seeing an average of about one to two hours for putting together an itinerary, but it's decreasing heavily 
with the use of a lot of AI tools as well, which is great. And a lot of our freelancers, for example, my only context is Lucia. So a lot of our freelancers are using AI to like help speed along a lot of the work that they do, but then they'll go in at it and personally review all the work. Again, only if an advisor asks for them to use AI, but we're seeing that more and more. Um, and so that helps speed the turnaround time. That's really helpful because as soon as you th- said $35, I'm like, okay, but what if someone skipped going to lunch with their friend because they think they're too busy and then they ended up ordering Uber Eats and they ended up spending $30 to do that? Yeah, it's 35 sounds a lot when you're comparing it to your business. But again, adding a dose of honesty about like the excuses we make to feel busy and to almost like, I hate to say this, but like, I think I did it a lot. So I'm going to just call myself out on it. Does this sound familiar? Your social media strategy fails to actually have a strategy. You post in real time because you don't have an easier way. You're living in post and pray mentality that people will finally be served your amazing content. No more. We have a solution and you've probably heard about it already. Our team loves using Planoly for social media planning. Planoly allows us to post at optimal times when our followers are on the platform and batch our content in advance so that we can work smarter, not harder. It's easy to overthink social media and then simply avoid it altogether. You don't need to be intimidated. Just remember that social media is a free marketing resource for you to leverage to build relationships with more of your ideal clients. So let's stop overanalyzing and start intentionally creating posts that reflect your brand. Click the link in our show notes to get started with Planoly today the vanity that goes with being so busy in your business. Well, isn't the real flex like having a great business and having healthy relationships? Like to me, that should be the flex, right? Absolutely. Well, I would say that Sarah and I were spending so much time with, uh, you know, TripKit, doing itineraries all day long, managing a team. It was so time intensive. We'd go to bed at like midnight every night. And then with Lucia now, we kind of are in this ecosystem of a lot of like tech startups. So we're getting to see some of the best of the best of like tech businesses and how they run their companies. And honestly, we've taken and learned a lot from them. And there's a lot of that like stereotypical like tech bro that needs to like grind all these hours and spend all day long and their weekends working super hard. And then you see a lot of like really successful founders and CEOs that are like, No, I do very normal working hours, but I'm incredibly productive. I spend my time to a T. I have my weekends open because I need to mentally and creatively recharge. That's when I come up with my best ideas. I need to spend time with family, friends, whatever. And I think that's important regardless what season of life you're in. And then you can then reinvest that emotional energy back into your business when you start back again on Monday. I think that's really important for considering Am I busy? Am I productive? How much time should I be spending doing things? My sister sometimes steps in as my assistant. A lot of times we use freelancers on Lucia to like step into the business and help assist us. But my sister has you know, been with the business for a really long time. And so I use her a lot. And what I realized is that if I can get an hour of her time just to email, respond to my emails, that is like it frees up my mental load. It frees up my ability to worry about all those things that are, again, just setting up meetings. And you just get so much emotional energy back too. So I don't think it's just your time, but I think it's your emotional load as well. And I think it's a control thing too. Like we're a small business. We like took the plunge. This is our thing. I can't possibly trust somebody else with my business. And for that, I'm like, well, then you're not preparing properly to offboard things. You don't have the systems. Like you haven't taken the, you can't just be like, 
hey, Grace, I'm hiring you. Do my business. And it's like, mm-hmm. how do you do your business? Like, Great. Send me your SOPs. Send me what your, your processes are. That being said, I think every single person that is considering having a, you know, a virtual assistant saying, oh, I, I really do think I need an assistant. I really think I should be hiring one. No matter what stage of your business you're at, it is absolutely possible for every single person to have a great relationship with an assistant, really get a lot out of it. It really just matters what you put into it, how you prepare for it and how you strategize for working with person. So that's something to take in mind as well, that it shouldn't be something to fear, but that you just have to prepare like any other project or any other part of your business. And if you set it up well, you'll get a lot out of it. Yeah. It's like front loaded work for like long-term reward for sure. And then once you have those processes in place, take a look at them every six months, like one year, update them as needed. And like when we created our SOP manual, which is still in the process of being created, but it was just so much free time. Cause it's like, instead of the team members being like, Hey Robin, how do I do this? And I'm like, not like, not a switch, not to go over here. Now I'm annoyed. Why can't you figure this out on your own? It's like, actually there's an SOP. I actually walk through all of it for you. So I want to ask you, do you see a lot of people coming to Lucia and saying, I don't know how I do this in my business. Can you figure it out for me? Or are the majority of the people coming to you and they're like adequately prepared? I would say it's a good 50, 50. Okay. I think there are a ton of people that come super organized, super prepared and what they get out of working with our freelancers is just tremendous. And you see the feedback from our freelancers as well is just overwhelmingly positive. And then on the flip side, which is very, very common, you'll see requests come through and it says, I'm going out of office for five days, need someone to cover me. And then the freelancer will respond and say, I'm interested in taking this on, please provide more context. And they'll say, I just need someone to cover me while I'm out. That makes my skin crawl everywhere. Yeah. Like, no, you're looking for a call service then. Like that's not, you're not looking for someone to actually respond to emails because how would they know how to work with the business? So instead we've already actually started creating packages that'll literally create the SOPs for them. So we've created these like packages that they can just go ahead and purchase, which is basically the same thing as just contracting one of our freelancers, but we've set in place exactly what they get, exactly what they can expect, the turnaround time that's required, the price, everything, because it's okay if you're not quite sure. If you're not good at this, that's okay. Like not everyone's great at like being incredibly organized. We want to be able to help you with that, but it still requires a level of effort to like prepare and have in place you know, if you're putting together an itinerary, you need to actually have the itinerary details. You need to know what your logins and passwords are. You need to know what your expectations are. If you're expecting this in two days versus five, you need to communicate it. And so when we onboard people, we really try to walk them through that, but it's not a perfect science. I think back to our first assistant hire for a team, <laughs> we just needed an assistant to cover us and we had nothing in place and me and Jen hired this poor girl who just... <laughs> laundered for a month. And I was like, get rid of her, Jen. We cannot keep doing this. This is, and now in retrospect, I'm like, we, we did that. We did that to you. Yeah. And I feel so bad about it now. Like our training program is way more intense now. Like our onboarding program is way more intense and beefed out because like, you're right. Like if it's just like, cover me, it's like, what? Like how? I feel really bad about it. Was she a fit? No. But did we help her become a fit? Absolutely not. And I think there's a lot of ownership, especially for the people who like can't, no one can do it as good as me. That's wrong. But 
that's going to give you peace of mind, I think, when you're hiring and you're that type of, because I am a type A, like no one can do this better than me sort of sit, like sort of person with a lot of this stuff. And as the business has grown, it's like, okay, if we actually are going to grow a successful business, I can't do it all. I'm also going to be like the worst wife, future mom, all of those things. And that's not why I created a business to be a working monster forever. So I just... It's also hard because I think a lot of the personalities that find themselves in travel do it for a multitude of reasons. They don't fit into this corporate model in a way. So there's some sense of like kind of go with the flow about their business potentially anyway. And it's almost like we mask the inability to create organization by like, oh, I'm an entrepreneur. Like I'm, I'm conceptual. I'm big picture. If you are a business owner, I, I, I feel like I have a harsh truth to say. If you're going to claim the status of a business owner, then you have to do the operations of a business owner. If you want to book travel and you want to have an amazing book of business, but you don't want the responsibilities of all of those other things, then seek out another model that maybe allows you to sell travel and work under someone else's brand, but do the stuff that you love and they handle the marketing and all of that. Like, I think that there tends to be this very one size fits all approach in this industry where it's like, if I want to sell travel, I have to be an IC, I have to be a business owner. And that's actually not true. There are probably people that are like, Hey, I would love for someone to take everything post intake call and run with it. And I'll give you a kickback on every proposal that closed or something. There are different ways of doing business. And I'll throw another one in there. If you really love doing all this work, but you don't want to source clients or you don't have a clientele list or you just like doing the busy work or you do like doing the work, come be a co-pilot with us. Like come join us as a freelancer. I have a long list of opportunities, part-time, full-time, flexible that if you want to make a great hourly wage or you want to work on a monthly basis, whatever it is, I have an endless stream of work for people to do and you've guaranteed income. There's no splits, there's no nothing, and you get to work on the freelance side of it. And so that's why we've created this because there's plenty of people that I think kind of woke up and were like, ugh, this is not for me. I chose the wrong path. And if you love the industry, but this isn't the path, come work with us because I've got the other way. Like yeah. there, you don't have to be the entrepreneur on the going and getting driving sales, running a team, doing all the finance, managing all the risk that comes with There's it. So There's much so, much risk. Risk. so much risk. Like that is not for anyone. And that's not to say like poo poo you. I actually think it's incredibly like powerful to understand who you are and how you like working. Take that power and ownership back and go find the business that's going to work for you, your life, your family, and how you want to grow and succeed as a professional. And however that is, take ownership of it and don't be afraid to jump into it. I love that. I love that there there can be another way. There can be a co-pilot. You could be a GM or a client experience manager if you go and employee route because you don't want to be a freelancer and you want a salary versus a project based. Like there are again, there are so many different ways to slice and dice this industry. And just because you love travel and you want to go on fams, like there are di- other ways. There are other ways. There's just always another way. Robin is smiling. What are you smiling about? No, I did that. Like I was in travel and I was like, I actually hate this. So we created Teak and that's obviously different. It's still a business, but I'm laughing because that 
that spoke to me because I was like, I don't really love this. Well, and it was 2020. So I was like, I really don't love this. (laughs) It was not a steady income. (laughs) But there are, there are so many other ways to be involved in the travel industry without having to be a travel advisor. If that's not where you're like love and life, people just stay in the same thing a lot. Well, and I do think you loved, I mean, obviously you love the travel industry, but your brain works with systems and organization and forecastability. And that none of that is controllable, especially in a year like 2020, right? So like that was working against your comfort zone. And we created something that jived with that, that allowed you to pass on the best of your brain to other advisors. And I, that's kind of the whole intention behind Teak is that we recognize that not everyone does think this way, or they don't even have the thought to start thinking this way. That's why the podcast exists. Like challenging people to say like, you love travel. Cool. Like be really freaking good at selling travel. Be really freaking good at business too. That doesn't mean you have to do every aspect of your business. And one thing that you mentioned, I wanted to like kind of flip on its head a little bit because you mentioned Grace about like when you outsource something, make sure that you are paying in proportion to what you make and what you what you want to pay based off of how long it takes you to do it. However, I think there's also the other side of the coin to think about is if you hire someone that's a co-pilot that's really good at that task, they're going to do it in a fraction of the time that it would have taken you anyway. Plus, what if it's marketing? What if it's blogs? What if it's things that actually are revenue producing, essentially, your, yes, that short-term loss feels like it's not, it's not a loss. It feels like a financial loss in that moment. But if you are not ever going to keep up with social media, if you're never going to send the newsletter, if you're never going to create the the blog that's going to optimize your website, and then you outsource it to someone at a fraction of the, the price, essentially, but it increases your revenue because they're really good at it. They're doing it quickly. And because you would have never done it anyways, like the math makes sense. Like Robin and I right now, we're, we're pursuing potentially outsourcing social media because we're like, that's not something that feels like it's always our specialty. We love doing it occasionally, but there are also people that do it in a fraction of the time and know how to do ads and they have the strategy behind it and they know what's on trend. We are not constantly keeping up with that. And it's impossible to be great in your niche of travel and then also be great at marketing and finance and all of these things that other people are stronger at, going to do it more efficiently, more accurately, less frustration. Like there's just, there are a lot of reasons other than this is taking my time and I could be on sales calls. It's because someone could also actually just do it better than you. Right. And I think that's a really great point at Lucia. We have a freelancer, a co-pilot on our platform does all of our social media. We also have someone that by, you know, training, I'm a graphic designer at heart. I love design. Now talk about building a tech company. That's like my, you know, playground. Like, Oh my goodness. I get to design our platform. Amazing. And one day our developer called me and he was like, I have been waiting for designs from you for a week and a half. You're holding me up. I appreciate that you know how to design. You're a great designer, but honestly, you're holding me up and you need to outsource it. I have someone lined up. 
She's a little expensive, but frankly, she gets it done and she'll get done a lot quicker than you. And I really appreciate that you want to be helpful and like save money here, but you're not, and you're really holding up the business. And thank goodness he said this to me because now we have an amazing designer, Leticia, and she just kills it. And I don't have to worry about design. Yeah. She, it takes her like an hour to do stuff that took me three hours. Yeah. So like, even though I know how to design. You could be on an investor call. You could be at a show. You could be selling the product or improving the product as a whole. Right. And we realized that that was, even though I knew how to do it and I'm a great designer and I really know how to do graphic design. A, it's still taking me too long. And B, she was just frankly better at it. And she had the time to do it. And so now we pay someone else to do it. And yeah, hurt my ego a little bit. But also I miss the designing aspect. Don't get me wrong. But now I put it towards our content emails because we send like once every two, one every two weeks. It takes me like 30 minutes to write them. And they're super quick. And I still get to have my creative outlet that way. But I'm not doing our social media or our platform design. I feel like Robin can relate to that hard. She's... (laughs) <laughs> very good at the design piece, but it is it's a lot. Yeah. One day I'll hire somebody to do our website, like our website revamp. Like you're not in the role of a designer. You're in the role of a mm-hmm. CEO and a COO. You should not be doing the role of a designer. You should not be doing the role of an admin. You should not be doing the role of a social media manager. You should not be doing the role of a website designer. They are all different roles. You may not be able to afford different people for all those roles. Sure. There are people that can do all of those for you. Mm-hmm. And Again, you need to decide what you can afford and what you're good at. Mm-hmm. But a lot of times there's people that can save you and even generate you more money as a result of outsourcing to them. And I'll die on that hill. I, I just heard a sentence, which I'm sure I've heard it before, but like it just hit me different this week. You know how you hear something and you're like, zinger. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was like, just because you can doesn't mean you should. Mm-hmm. And I was like, mm, yes, gentle reminder. So, okay. Well, speaking of that, obviously travel advisors are multifaceted because typically they're wearing so many hats. So what are the tasks that you find if someone is starting tomorrow and they're like gently just kind of easing into the thought of getting some assistance and they're still feeling tentative to do so, what are the most common tasks you see people handing off successfully? So typically the requests that are successfully handed off, even if you're not prepared with an SOP and all of the necessary kind of like organization, this is still one that we see done successfully is itinerary building. It's very easy to go to a freelancer or co-pilot on our platform and say, I need an itinerary build. And a lot of times our co-pilots can say, okay, here's the list of things I need from you. And they'll kind of walk you through that because they've done so many of them. And that's pretty standardized that like they don't need you to explain that to them. If you want someone to do out-of-office coverage, if you want someone to become your business development manager, those are different conversations. But itinerary building and typically like invoicing or CRM management, those can be done pretty successfully. The second you start getting into like system processes and things like that, that's not what I'm talking about in your CRM. I'm talking about like inputting information. Mm -hmm. Data Um, conversion, like you're transposing things from... You know, my commission is this from this vendor, et cetera. Very specific data-driven, numbers-driven, or like content-driven stuff that does not have room for interpretation. Mm -hmm. If you want a freelancer to work with a co-pilot, as we call them, to work with you on your business as a virtual assistant, if you want someone else, it doesn't need to be with us. But if you want to work with someone in-house as a contractor, however you want to work with them, if you do not know how to get your business in place, I guarantee you, Teak and Lucia have plenty of resources for you guys to do that. But there are also just ways of like sitting down and figuring out how you like your itineraries done, 
how you like your emails to be written, how you like all of these things to be put into place. And you need to do that before you go beyond just doing that kind of like data journal stuff. I feel like also starting with like a piece of paper next to you and every time you do a task, just jot it down on that, that paper so that you understand all of the different tasks that go into your business. Because I feel like we do 300 different things in a day, but you fail to recognize that you did them because you're thinking about the itinerary that you need to get done or the proposal or whatnot. But there are so many other things that we're touching. So just doing an inventory of of what you're doing and then maybe doing an asterisk next to the things that you like coded out, like don't like this, this took way, way too much time and... I'm not good at this. Like just kind of, I would say like, maybe they could come to Lucia and say like, can you do these? Like, is there, is there a way that they can actually do a consult and say like, how can you help with these tasks? Kind of like question mark. <laughs> I, yeah, we do that all the time. I, we're actually releasing a package that'll actually help walk you through not just the bucket of typical admin things, but also a consult with either our team or myself of saying, how do I get organized and prepared to hire an assistant and like actually having a consultation call to prepare you for working with an assistant. So that'll also be a way for you to like organize your thoughts, your business, your systems and all of that on more of a consult level. Typically it comes down to like just talking to someone who understands and does this all the time and can really walk you through that. That's just one of the ways that we're trying to do that. I think the last thing that we want to touch on, how does that look just kind of recognizing that every relationship is different. What does it look like if it's not a fit or someone feels like they're not getting their concept grasped? Do you recommend a grace period to settle into a relationship because everything does look differently, like based off of who you're working with? And and like Robin mentioned earlier in, in the conversation, like we hired someone, we did not set her up for success at all. I don't think we even knew what we were hiring for. And we were the demise essentially of our own relationship with her and, and we caused that. So how do you (laughs) emotionally prepare yourself to know that mistakes are going to be made? And I recently heard Gary Vee say this. He was just like, everything in your business that is wrong is your fault as a leader. Like, so just like, how do you emotionally prepare to take ownership of that and versus giving up on someone and saying like, this relationship isn't working, move on to a, a new person and hire a new person. Yeah. So typically when I hear that, usually they brought on someone that has no experience in the industry. So like, that's usually problem number one. Again, that, like you said, Jennifer, like that's your fault. You, you, if you're bringing on someone that has no training, you better expect months and months of training them for them to even grasp like a little bit of what you're working yeah. with. That's step number one. If you're bringing on someone that's experienced, that's a different story. And experience meaning like has done assistant work or has been a travel advisor before or understands the industry. Beyond that, if you're trying to work with an assistant, it is all about communication. If you're bringing on someone that's experienced and isn't grasping what you're sharing with them, usually it's because you're not doing a good job of communicating what you want. And I usually say that you need a grace period of at least like a minimum of like two weeks, usually like three or four and if it's an employee, like, probably three months. Like I just think yeah. like, especially if someone's learning a new skill set. Like we we hired Explorator hired Ashlyn and she didn't have experience, but it, she had very parallel skills that I was like, this is gonna transpose very well into the industry. Right. 
and you have to go into it knowing like this isn't going to be easy. There are going to be mistakes and this is going to take at least three months for her to get a general concept of the industry. Exactly. And that's why like the two to four weeks thing, that's only if you have someone that like mm-hmm. truly understands the industry has done this before, truly experienced. Like you said, bringing someone in that has, you know, needs experience in the industry. I say three to six months. Absolutely. Like that's, and again, they may then leave if you're bringing in someone who's like helping you book travel because they may realize they can become a travel advisor themselves. So you always have to be wary of that. So usually you need, you know, advisors are bringing in freelancers when they're like super, super overwhelmed and they don't have the time or capacity to like actually work with that person. So I typically recommend trying to bring someone on before your busy season Mm -hmm. and anticipate those needs. But also again, bringing in someone who actually knows what they're doing is usually my recommendation because it'll help highlight some of the things that maybe is like busy work that you're doing or highlight some of the things that you should probably be doing better. If you can't get a proposal out within days of like receiving it from a supplier, to me, that's a red flag that you are very backlogged. Like I, absolutely, I feel like a lot of people are like, I just can't get to see, get to this proposal to get out. And it's like, that's because your first thing that you do, you're gatekeeping it because you're gatekeeping tasks by not empowering someone else to be able to do it. And instead, you could have outsourced it to your VA, your in-house team member, your co-pilot, whatever it is, whoever they are, and they could have probably gotten it back for you within 24 hours. And you have a higher chance of closing because now your client is happy instead of being frustrated with you and moving on, maybe. They probably booked it with someone else. Yeah. Or on on their own. They move slow. Or on their own. Yeah. Okay. So I have one final question and it's kind of to like reverse engineer the order that you did your career. So you were a travel advisor first, and then you kind of transitioned into the VA space and project management space, recognizing that these things are very imperative for a travel advisor to be successful. However, I think a lot of advisors are inclined to say, I'm going to bring on someone as an assistant, and then train them to be an advisor. Yeah, I am not the person that came up with this model. So I'll give some credit. I hear this all the time from Matthew Upchurch, who learned it from his strengths coach. He talks all the time about left brain and right brain. Having someone doing left brain work for you with the hopes of them flipping to understand right brain work is a futile task. If you were having someone do admin, data-driven, process-driven work, and then all of a sudden want them to be this sales-driven, creative person who understands the all of the hotels in the world and all of the ways to sell the world... If you pull that off, I mean, wow, you solved like pretty much this industry's and the world's biggest problems of like left and right brain people, because that is just not possible. Like that is just not how the world works. You need someone, if you need someone to do your data work and your admin and your left brain work, someone that's going to be really good with processes and helping you get things out the door, keep them that way. That's probably what they like and what they're good at. And if you have someone coming into the business who says they want to be selling and you know, building relationships and selling travel, please don't set them up in a role that they hate as your admin because they probably won't succeed at it. They probably will want to be selling and you're going to have them doing like left brain work. 
And not only will they not like it, they probably won't succeed very well at it because you set them up in a role that's completely opposite to what they told you they want to do and that they're good at. So you've set them up now for failure. They're not in the role they want to be doing. And they're learning the complete opposite tasks that they'd have to be learning in order to become an an advisor in selling. I was working as a luxury travel advisor. I give air quotes there when I say that because really I was running the operations of a five-person advisor team. And I can tell you that I was really good at running the operations. You know, if they ever tried to outsource to me a client to build a trip, I had no idea what the answers to these questions were. They once threw me on a trip because they needed extra hands. And I was like, I haven't sold a hotel ever, period. Like I've done all the back end operating and helping recommend these trips, but I don't know how to sell a client on a certain property or like hit the pain points of what they're looking for. Like, I don't know. The psychology of it. Yeah. Yeah. Like the psychology side, like. I ran operations for a multi-million dollar travel agency business. That does not mean that I was good at working with clients on selling the trips. So those are two totally different roles. And you need to recognize that whoever you bring on, if they tell you that they want a certain role, believe them, believe them. If someone tells you that they're good at something and bad at something else, please believe them and put them in the roles that fit well within your business. If you don't need the roles and the, the skill sets that they have, again, believe them show them to a different business that can probably hire them in that role and find someone else. That's my biggest piece of advice to, to leave on a note there. <laughs> I love it. I love everything you said. You echoed my sentiments exactly. And I struggle with this with my dad's business a lot. He'll be like, yeah, but we could hire them into this because of long-term this. And I'm like, those roles are not even intersecting with each other at any point. And so you are hiring a manager into an administrative role. You are only going to frustrate them because you know that you have a managerial position down the road. They're already in a managerial position. They don't, they're going to tell you to get the job that they're happy to do this role, but you're only going to create internal tension that you have to then sort out and emotionally manage. And culture is king. I mean, like, Thank you for sharing that because I do think that's a common struggle and a tendency that people have in order to feel like they're progressing their business. But I think there's real potential for backwards movement in that model. All right. Our hope is that this episode helped you decide if you were prepared for hiring or outsourcing and the various approaches that go with both, whether it's an employee, a contractor, or a third-party project-based service like Lucia. We hope that this gave you some insight into how you can work with someone else to handle those tasks. Thank you so much for joining us, Grace. It was a pleasure having you. And thank you to our listeners for joining another TikToks episode you're loving our content, we would love and appreciate your support and feedback. So head on over to Apple Podcasts, hit subscribe so that you never miss when an episode drops. And while you're there, please leave us a rating and review. We're sending you a long distance cheers because you just finished another episode of TikTok. If you loved what you heard, hit subscribe and head over to the show notes for any resources and a summary of this episode. In the meantime, if you want more access to us, we are personally inviting you to join our Niche by Teak community, where we host live events, answer your questions, share destination masterclasses, and give you a front row seat to all the resources that we launch throughout the year. Plus, what's better than being surrounded by like-minded advisors that are hyping you up to succeed each day? We think nothing. Head over to www.teakhq.com backslash niche to join the community today.